Hi, and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that um, seeks out middle ground and sometimes uh, has a little bit of fun with things like movie nights. <laughs> I'm Annika Buckle. Hi, I'm Jenny Omani, and if you are enjoying the podcast, please pop on over to your streaming platform of choice and give us a five-star review. Um, leave a kind note, share with your friends. It means a lot to us. Uh, so before we dive into today's topic, I just want to open with an update from our Dude, Where's My News episodes. Uh, oh. Just announced this morning, the Canadian government has come to an agreement with Alphabet, Google's parent company, over Bill C-18. So that means if you're in Canada, news is still blocked on Meta platforms, but you will be able to get search results in Google if you're looking for news. So huzzah! <laughs> is there... God, I hate being the person that's like, but that's not good enough. But is there? <laughs> it's better than talking... nothing, but it's not what you wanted. You no. still are they talking have to no Meta? access. Is that... There is no update yeah. on Meta. Okay, but hey, at least you can still use your search platform of choice, yeah. assuming that's your search platform of choice. You yeah. didn't make the move to Bing or <laughs> I don't know what else still exists. Either. Yahoo, is that still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so and if you don't know um what we're talking about with bill c18 please go listen to those episodes um dude where's my news parts one and two very entertaining not just because of the title um <laughs> content warning uh for today uh you probably you may have figured this out as you've already read the title but we're going to be talking about child abuse child sexual abuse religious trauma so please proceed with caution if any of that is not going to serve you today um because today we're going to talk about the docuseries shiny happy people and the duggar family of tlc's fame show 19 kids and counting you know i have to say this series none of it surprised me do you know what i mean it's like, like after watching how unsurprising it, I used, it is totally because i used to watch 19 kids and counting like when you it was did. when it was i don't know was it like 16 15 or something there was like the, the title changed every time they had more kids yeah and i remember watching it i'm thinking back i feel I, like i lived at home uh two, so... 2008 is when the series started there okay. were some one hour specials before that but 2008 That's true. So I saw the was specials the before that yeah so that, yeah there you go. i love tlc there was a time in my life where i love there, TLC. there was absolutely a time where i love tlc too we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute but and like even um, as a teenager i was like well a teenager who had really no concept of context or nuance no. or like was was like like my prefrontal cortex just wasn't there yet and i still was like there is more to this family than we are seeing on the camera <laughs> <laughs> well i mean totally right this is this really is um you know this kind of like heyday of reality tv right i'm mm -hmm. thinking for me in 2008 like every single week my friends and i would get together and watch america's next top model and drink wine yeah like yeah. you know it was it was a very American social idol yeah everybody was still watching the bachelor every week right yeah. like this was really um I think in a lot of ways, a show like this is kind of the antithesis to that because it's so, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote wholesome, obviously mm -hmm. not as we'll get into today, mm -hmm. but, you know, everything looks so perfect. This like white religious family, 
a mother and a father and everybody's just behaving compared Mm -hmm. to like, you know, somebody throwing a shoe at somebody else and crying on America's Next Top Model (laughs) or, you know, somebody like getting drunk on The Bachelor. This is like really not that, but also still very much that in a lot of ways. (laughs) Well, I feel like it was presented as um, uh, this sort of not staged version of the um, other forms of reality tv and the reality shows like it was more like no no this is you know you have these people and like the bachelor and america's next top model i mean obviously there's they're fed information and told what to do but this is just us recording this family right as they go about their life you know it was kind of this, this like, isn't scripted we're just cooking dinner yeah yeah the girls right. are just cooking dinner obviously we decided to talk about this today for a couple of reasons. First, because we both watched this separately and find it really interesting. So we've <laughs> chatted about it off mic. Um, but second, because it came up and felt really relevant after our chat about Covenant Eyes last week. So if mm-hmm. you haven't listened to that, it is not a prerequisite for this, but it will help give you more context to some of the things we're talking about. Um, the original series... Uh, I think actually 16 Kids and Counting was the first iteration of the series. Um, But anyway, this was all on TLC. But this documentary, Shiny Happy People, is on Amazon Prime. It's Prime, right? Yeah, it was on Prime. And um, I'm uh, definitely not, um, uh, you know, supported by TLC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think obviously TLC would has a story to paint themselves about it but i yeah i appreciate that we were able to get underneath some of the things i think that we haven't heard or seen or didn't know Mm -hmm. prior to this even though a lot of it i think kind of moved into the lexicon around some of the more unfortunate aspects that we'll talk about (laughs) a bit but i i think you'll never get the story from tlc right because tlc if they were how much did their dirty laundry too right like but even if they knew everything um it how are you gonna reach deals in future with people if they know that you'll go and talk about every you know what i mean there's got to be some sort of semi-confidentiality well there i mean i think the fact that they didn't even talk to anyone who worked on the shows there's no Mm -hmm. you know interview with an anonymous producer or you know Mm -hmm. what i mean no showrunner who's like leaks some information no Um, and i i I would 100 percent guarantee that they would be legally bound if they did find out about any of the abuse stuff they'd be like legal if your therapist has to report that then well let's keep in mind The police did nothing, but anyways, we'll get well. We'll get there. <laughs> I think it's singular um, police. The police officer. In well, question. Th- but there were lot. Anyways, there were lots of people yeah. who knew, and nobody did anything. But okay. Yes. Um, the docu series starts with a review of you know kind of the basics of the family, and I'm sorry, but I absolutely feel the need to list their names. <laughs> Order from oldest to youngest: Josh, Jana, John, Jill, Jessa, Ginger, Joe, Josiah, Joy, Jedediah, Jeremiah, Jason, James, Justin, Jackson, Joanna, Jennifer, Jordan, and Josie. You may have missed it, but every single name starts with a J, just like mm-hmm. Jim Bob. Yes, even Ginger. I know. If it doesn't um, and- start with a J, you can make it start with a J. I mean, like, where does that leave Michelle is also what I want to <laughs> I think it's very I- symbolic of where that leaves Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, they kind of talk about what it's like 
you know, being as a part of this family before they get in. I just like, can you imagine being one of the managers on duty at one of the kids eat free restaurants they talk about going to? That they're abusing the policy for? Shamelessly abusing the policy for. We'd stay there for hours. I bet you would. I bet you would. Although, if you're running a kids eat free in like the Bible Belt of the Southern States... (laughs) I do, I do suspect you are seeing large families, maybe not that large on a regular basis, but you're definitely, you, you had to be a little bit aware of what that was going to, you you know, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to take a little bit of a segue here because I think it's important to highlight how intertwined a lot of what we're going to talk about is today with American politics. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it really, I think also shows how much American politics have shifted much more extremely in the last 30 years. So they introduced a pro-life rally that the Duggars attended in 1997, where the government passed a law banning what they called, quote unquote, partial birth abortions, that was then struck down on appeal of note by a Reagan appointed judge. I just want to call out how different that looks from what we see of the politics of the mm-hmm. Republican Party today, especially mm-hmm. in like a red or right leaning state like Arkansas. You'd never see a Republican judge strike down a law no. like that. You you just wouldn't. I mean, as of June 2022, all abortions are completely banned outright. No exceptions in Arkansas. So mm-hmm. like it's wild to think about a time not that long ago when courts were striking down a version of the law that almost seems tame compared to <laughs> what things look mm-hmm. like there now. Mm-hmm. That rally was what Jim Bob credits with his push to get into politics. He's elected twice as governor, serving four years in total. And then he runs for senator, which he loses. But at that point, they're already getting press about their family. He's famous enough. Mm-hmm. You know, at this time, it's 14 kids and Michelle mm-hmm. is pregnant again. And that's where TLC first kind of snags onto them which i think at the time was still just discovery but um you know there's a there's a feature in parents magazine and then oh, that starts <laughs> to you know kind of get the media interested in their quote unquote story i didn't realize mm-hmm. that there were these five one hour specials before the series started oh, you yeah. know that it was 14 kids and then 15 kids and then 16 kids. And mm-hmm. I mean, I did know that, but I didn't realize that it didn't start straight out of the gates just as a regular format reality show. No, I <clears throat> saw them all. Oh, geez. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's also because media was so much smaller then. Like it was all mainstream. Mm. There was no sort of independent little, I shouldn't say that. There were, there were independent media outlets, like smaller ones, but they just didn't get the same amount of play, right? So if you're With on ca- the it local was the news, of cable, right? Like yeah, cable exactly. is king in these days. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, especially in a smaller town and you're on the local news, like I can imagine when, you know, your per capita population isn't that big <laughs> and you've got one family with 14 kids or whatever, and they're on the news, like that's, that, you know, gets sort of noted and things go went viral in a different uh kind of context <laughs> different context of viral mm. i love at this point what the sociologist says about why something like this was so popular and it kind of gets to something that we've talked about um quite a bit jenny and that's this like low stakes nature of it right like mm-hmm. unlike the bachelor where it's a competition and somebody gets kicked off 
you know, here the biggest problem is like, how much casserole are the girls going to make for dinner? Like, it's soothing. There's no <laughs> real well, drama. Totally. You know what? I, yes, it's the equivalent of if you're going to watch something like Dave's away for business right now. I'm not watching anything that I know could potentially scare me so that I can't sleep <laughs> at night. Right. If that was me in the 90s, you better freaking believe I would like on demand record or VHS record a TLC show because that's yes, you're just going to watch. There's no if you like zone out or go to the bathroom, you're not missing anything. You, it's the stakes are so low right oh, in a yeah. lot of ways it's like it's kind of that same like it's great british bake-off in a lot of ways right mm -hmm. where it's just like here's something like wholesome and nice for you to look at like but and this is i th i think what i found really interesting about what the sociologist says p.s like a sociologist who's a specialist of, on reality tv like why did i not know about this when i was in school i just feel like <laughs> i love these niche Talk very niche finding people. your niche i love it <laughs> That is so cool. Um, but, you know, what she says is this really enforces the greater cultural narrative, right? Like, mm -hmm. it really starts to normalize this, in a lot of ways, this Christian fundamentalist worldview, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not overtly religious, but it's really normalizing these incredibly rigid gender roles and this idea that, like, this is just your average American family. They're just a little bigger. They're very white. They're very Christian. This is all very normal, you know? I also think it's one of those things that if you're someone that lives in the city, there's just something morbidly fascinating about that not city life. Do you know what I mean? Like the thought of yeah, looking totally. outside and not seeing, I mean, I'm in the suburbs. I look outside and I just like, I have a beautiful view of like peekaboo view of the water, but I see all my neighbors' right. houses. <laughs> right. Right. You this don't see the cow just, pasture or no. the. <laughs> and there's yeah. no like hustle and bustle. And like, it's like, the plant it's you know the you make your meals you do it's just such a different it's like a way of life that I can't relate to in any way shape or form as a born and raised city girl that it's fascinating to me even if it's not actually reflective of right. <laughs> how the majority of people in the country live like whatsoever it's still right. like wow look at this other way of life it's just interesting well, and I think you kind of touched on something that like actually in looking at it now feels like really kind of horrifying that a lot of those early years were like very fish out of water. Like they go to Japan and they have this like really awful voiceover of somebody with like speaking English with a Japanese accent and like, you know, that again, it just feels very wholesome. It's like, oh, look, they have no idea they're in Japan going on you know yeah it's it's <laughs> soothing and low stakes right yes um unfortunately it's not low stakes it's also not <laughs> actually soothing when you really look at it <laughs> i just felt but that way in the 90s totally. <laughs> or 2008 or whatever yeah 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 2000s um 2000s, where... it's the same tomato tomato um but this is where we meet bill gothard and the institute oh, yeah. in basic life principles or iblp um just so we're all on the same page um as just a reminder when we do movie nights you never have to have watched it in fact probably no. if you have you have your own opinions about it and we're here to tell you ours so don't, don't really. worry about that but um let's just see what wikipedia has to say about the iblp um, which i'd never heard of before this 
The Institute in Basic Life Principles, or IBLP, is a non-denominational Christian fundamentalist organization that serves as an umbrella organization for several ministries established by American Christian minister Bill Gothard in 1961. The stated purpose of the organization is to provide instruction on how to find success in life by following biblical principles. This involves programs that include seminars for ministry, community outreach, troubled youth mentoring, and international ministry. The IBLP has been described as a cult. Just from Wikipedia, <laughs> citation is there if you want to see. <laughs> I mean, I'd never heard of this before, This watching this special, which is really not that surprising. That like <laughs> a little bit out of your from kind Vancouver of had, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but upon watching like the first sort of grainy video footage of Bill Gothard, I was like, that guy is probably a pedophile <laughs> and has a hundred percent abused people within his church. And of course, that's where we're going because you know the beliefs of, of IBLP are you know they practice biblical patriarchy, which is like father of the head of the house, just as God is head of the church. Absolutely no media consumption whatsoever. Kids are homeschooled, and of course, like a huge basis of their beliefs is like what women and girls can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. Mostly cannot. <laughs> and when you think about it, just from that introduction, it's so. It makes it so much easier to appreciate how um, essentially trapped people become in when they grow up in families within these fundamentalist mm -hmm. organizations because they a, don't really know about the outside world, but they're not even given the tools mm -hmm. to become a part of the outside world. So it takes even extreme, if they want to, even if they want to, it takes extreme mm -hmm. courage and will. And um, I don't know, it takes like a very exceptional human i think to mm -hmm. actually get out of these types of environments because a lot of them don't even end up with real like basic education 100%. it's all homeschooled by their own i mean and we'll yeah. talk about that right like it's it's yeah. not it's not it's easy to say well why don't they just leave but if you grow up in this you marry someone who grew up in it it's not it's not straightforward to just leave no I mean, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it's like when someone is in an abusive relationship, 100%. it's never as simple as just, just leave, that. right? Yep. Um, and I think this is just like, as we look at that kind of like far reaching impact of this whole generation of people who are pulled out of school, you mm -hmm. know, to learn this alternative curriculum, you, mm -hmm. the, I found the interviews with the kids who went through this and who have since left, yeah. like heartbreaking, but really interesting and like really mm -hmm. I mean, what incredible humans to exactly yeah. what you're saying, you know, because it's this total lack of options that it gives people, right? It's this very It's insular... intentionally giving people a yeah. lack of options because that's mm -hmm. how it it grows. That's how the beast is sort of fed and carries on. Because mm -hmm. if you give people options, then you're not going to have a higher, uh, as higher retention rate because- you don't have that same level different of people have them, different right? priorities and different things they want to do right it's just human nature they're not not everybody's going to want to do right like what are the odds that you'd have any kid outside of these type of organizations any family where the kids all end up doing the same thing right they all end up going to the same university they all end up in the same profession like you're just not going to get that yeah well and we'll talk about that more in a little bit but i think this is this idea of like making your children into who you want them to be rather than yes. who 
they are. Um, and I have yes. a lot to say about that in a minute, but oh, yeah, I yeah. think um, the other thing that I want to kind of call out right now is we talk all the time on this show about being soft on people and hard on systems, but I mm -hmm. think leaders like Gothard are absolutely appropriate to target with our critiques because mm -hmm. he's created the system, which again system. and again is yeah. shown to harm people, right? Women yeah. who are silenced, children who are abused, men for whom yeah. excuses are constantly made, who never have to be held accountable for anything they do, which also is a theme we'll come back to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the other thing, you know, when we situate something like IBLP started in 1961, when we situate this culturally at the time, you know, it's the 1960s, we have this massive uprising of the civil rights movement. And mm -hmm. I think if you weren't alive at the time, it, it cannot be overstated how far reaching this was for people who didn't have rights and how threatening it was for people with them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I just finished one of the best books I read this year called uh, Did You Hear About Kitty Carr? Um, highly recommend it. It's it's fairly big, but like I read it in a day and a half. It, it was so engrossing. But to really look through the eyes of what it was like to be Black in America in the 50s, you know, I think we forget how far reaching it was, you know, yeah. we still. It's just it's not, not within just, our lifetime. And right. we're both white people. So like, it's not only is it not within our lifetime that we were, you know, around when it was happening, we don't have the really the capacity to fully appreciate what that was like anyways, because even if we were alive then, it would not have impacted us personally mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. Like our families weren't impacted in the same way. Like it just doesn't, it's very, I think it's impossible to fully compute, but you can get a better appreciation, it sounds for sure, by reading. Mm -hmm. That sounds like that yeah. book was fantastic very fascinating highly highly recommend it but I, the other thing that it really comes to and i think this is what we see in this too is how threatening this is for people who had rights right this is where mm -hmm. you start to see these christian communities um especially those in the southern baptist convention which we don't have time to talk about today but um is really interesting and maybe we'll talk about it another time but you know they set up these segregated schools that they aren't allowed to call segregated schools but that are segregated schools yeah right? yeah um and you see that push within these white evangelical communities to homeschool right or to go mm -hmm. to these other schools this is what mm -hmm. funnels people into iblp right mm -hmm. um is really underlying this fear of equal rights this fear of yeah you know, what's going to happen to your kids if you don't have this level of control over them anymore? Well, it's this kind of this view of if this group is getting more, um, more rights than we must be getting less, right? It's, it's, it's like the word totally. equal kind of gets lost in the balance. And it's like, there's only a finite amount of human rights, rights to be had. So if, <laughs> right. if more people are getting them, then we're going to have less. And it's just kind of, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the documentary doesn't move chronologically, it kind of moves through themes. So, you know, this kind of brings us to 2015 with the first kind of publicity of Josh Duggar's sexual abuse of other kids when he was younger. And this mm -hmm. I struggled with for a million reasons. But one of them that I keep coming back to is like wondering how much more of this is covered up because the mm -hmm. only thing they admit to each time is exactly what he's been caught for. 
They never come clean on anything until there's this irrefutable proof, right? Mm-hmm. They lie about what happens and then more comes out and then they yeah. you know, admit to what happened more and then something else comes out and then they admit they're never, ever ahead of it, ever, you know? Well, and, and really I think- it feels hard to trust it. Well, and I think, you know, when you look at these organizations and these systems where there's just so little choice, it's hard enough for a woman to come out against- their abuser in the best, most ideal of circumstances. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was hard enough for Hollywood superstars, like wealthy, powerful white women. Now, I guess in this Mm -hmm. case, these are all white women as well, but wealthy, powerful women. Right. With options, with educations, with. (laughs) Yes. Privilege. With power. With power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gwyneth Paltrow, like, like her or not, like that is a powerful woman. And this was a hard, so if it's hard for someone like Gwyneth Paltrow to come out against their Mm -hmm. abuser, of course, in this insular community where the girls have literally no rights, Mm -hmm. no way out. And all they have is that community that they're essentially trapped in. Of course, they're not going to say anything. Who would they say it to? They'd say it to their dad because that's (laughs) what their dad going to do. Because that's the head of their family. That's their power yeah. system, right? Yeah. The and they umbrellas go... of authority, right? Exactly. They wouldn't go beyond their father. So for all we know, all of these girls came and told their dads. Right. right. And then that information, yeah. it stops there. So and that's assuming, really... and that's assuming people even came forward, which, as we'll talk yeah. about in a little bit, is also fairly unlikely because yeah. of the way the that best things case like is they told their dad, right. and that's really sad. It really, yeah. it you know, especially as a as a mama, that it just breaks my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the this is like the duplicitous nature, I think, of a lot of this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jim Bob as governor creates a sex offender registry and then excuses away his own son's behavior to ensure he doesn't end up on it. Like, Mm -hmm. well, because he created the sex offender registry for what he felt were real sex offenders. Right. Not just a boy who made a mistake, but also no parent wants, I think as parents, we inherently um, have a hard time really coming to terms with when our kids do something like like genuinely really bad but that's why it's a you that's why there's outside um sources to address these things right it's it it would be a conflict of interest for anybody to yeah you know like i wouldn't expect him to put his son on the list but i would expect well this is a perfect segue the authorities to do it They did take him to the authorities. So let's talk about the law enforcement officer who they took him to, um, who even in the documentary is described as a friend of Jim Bob's, which like, of course he is. Of course, of course he is. Um, And is now serving 56 years in prison for repeated child pornography infractions. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is the ultimate Mm -hmm. in, you know, we'll just cover it up. Oh, well, we had, you know, he had a stern talking to and he's changed his ways, right? Well, of course he didn't. Behavior doesn't change like that, especially when you look into where the behavior came from in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I mean, this is what we see again and again, you know, to what you were just talking about, even when 
people with agency and power are able to come forward around something like this. Um, you know, it's this is crazy. And I did a little extra digging on this, but um, the charges had to be dismissed in relation to this specific set of five incidents um, mm -hmm. because they went to law enforcement in 2003 and that mm -hmm. started a clock on the statute of limitations. So get this. Arkansas has a three year statute of limitations on sexual assault, which Whoa. means from the second they went to the police in 2003, the time is ticking for law enforcement to, quote, locate an offense. But they did nothing. And so when this tip came in mm -hmm. in December 2006, before they went on the Oprah show, P.S., like big ups to whoever called that into Oprah, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, it was too late to interview witnesses or to charge Josh. So Little Rock police had to destroy all of the records of this. And this is why nothing happened. And this is what happens again and again. Right. Mm -hmm. Just disgusting. So gross. But also three years. Uh, Seriously. Three years. That's that's all you got. Tell me. Tell me all the priorities. I mean, the priorities is just anyways, that's a whole other. Tell me how much you don't care about victims without telling me how much you female don't victims. victims. Yeah. Right? Or ch and children. This is the thing. Yeah. This is the party that claims to be so concerned about the children. So concerned about, about what children. they're seeing and watching. And yeah. they do nothing in cases of actual harm. Right. No. And cause it. Yeah. I'm sure we'll exactly. get to. Totally, totally. And you know, blanket I appreciate or whatever she calls it. Um, oh, yes, we will get to blanket training. Um, you know, I appreciate that the family friends that they're interviewing are upset that nothing was done, but they knew about it at the time and they did nothing too, right? They testified mm -hmm. when the time came, when there was a trial, mm -hmm. they testified and, mm -hmm. you know, good for them for doing it. But they knew at the time and they did nothing other than make sure their daughter didn't marry him, which... Yeah, I would too. But they knew, you know, and that it just sits really badly with me. I also it, that also made me wonder too, like in these because they're in a very small town, right? Like they're in rural, rural. Like their police force, like is probably a handful of people. So mm -hmm. part of me wonders if the they didn't do anything. They didn't say anything. If they knew, like the police department's friends with Jim Bob, right? If we Nobody's say something to the police department, something. Yeah, is yeah. something going to happen to us? And we live mm -hmm. in this small place. And do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I might be giving them way too much clout, but it, it it does make me wonder. You know, did they feel they could? Like, did they feel like they could have said? I yeah. Don't know. Well, and I will say the one guy did go down. He to did. Yeah. Talk to the you know police. <laughs> real upstanding citizen the one who's currently serving 56 years but right. um i mean I, yeah i think the bigger concern is this pattern right mm -hmm. i also got the sense from that family that they genuinely regretted a lot of their choices yeah from before yeah and i think it i got the sense that they at the time of the interview were in a very different place than they were when they mm -hmm. made guest appearances on the show and had the yeah. duggers as friends like i do feel I got that sense. Maybe I'm trying to give them too much credit, but I did get a sense that they had. Um, well, they did say it and it did seem sincere. They, yes, they did. Yes. If for no other reason, it did seem sincere. And they were talking yeah. about it publicly. Yes. And they, and they testified oh. and, you know, it, it obviously you could tell it, it looked like, I shouldn't say you could tell because it's impossible to tell somebody else's motives, but it looked mm -hmm. like they were genuinely struggling, you know, mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. with what yeah. happened. So, 
Um, but okay, I want to talk about one of the quotes from one of the other ex IBLP kids that like just hit me like a ton of bricks, especially, mm -hmm. you know, as we look at drawing parallels between the conservative Christian right and the wellness world. I really liked the the ex IBLP kids. Yeah, I did. Adults. I did too. They were really that was um, articulate and they were well, I mean, I'm sure they were chosen because they were articulate, but they they were great. Yeah, they did I a really mean, good job telling their stories. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, it's really when you see those former children, now adults, um, <laughs> you know, and their power and their ability to come out and speak, <laughs> you know, I, I they say it explicitly and you just feel that they're carrying. We know that I know that I can do this and I know that not everybody can. So <laughs> I'm speaking for me and I'm speaking for everybody else, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really love the. This just, this, this feels like, wow, if this isn't the wellness world. <laughs> Quote, within this community, critical thinking is turned on yourself. So you end up kind of cannibalizing your self-confidence with overanalyzing, am I doing it right? Rather than criticizing the system as a whole. If you are so preoccupied, preoccupied with self-examination, you are not going to have enough energy to challenge the system. Yeah. A hundred percent. Bam. Right. Yeah. And all of these um, sort of iblp principles that they were teaching them like their school curriculum was not educational school curriculum oh my God. it was all designed at reflecting especially for the girls mm -hmm. on them and what they should be doing um to live like a wholesome life and you know how they should be doing it to mitigate men too right, right? well and i mean that was a really you know they talk was about so how dark booklet after booklet of like you know circle all the ways this woman's being a whore it's like yeah the eye traps yes circle eye the eye traps like and so it was literally like you know how your kids will bring home a worksheet and it'll be like a math worksheet or you know what i mean like spelling worksheet maybe a crossword their worksheets were like pitch drawings of women with like very conservative dresses, but like right. the skirt was above the knee. And it right. was like, and it, it was interesting because like the shape of the hair was important. That's why they all have this mm -hmm. big hair so that you look at their face because their hair is so freaking big. And you think, but the kids had to circle the eye traps, which was like the necklines, the so hems dark. of the skirt. Like, but that was their school. Right. That is not well, school. No, and this is just it, right? Like, so at this point, the documentary really moves into the stories of these IBLP kids, now adults. I don't really know what to call them because they're not kids, yeah, but they were kids. kids. They were, yeah. Um, but I think this is this is the systemic nature of this, and I think this is kind of what gets glossed over when we're looking at like it's just the Duggars. It's not just no. one family. It's a whole no. system, right? Mm -hmm. To ensure families are like pulled into this lifestyle. Um, and there's this expectation that older siblings will raise younger ones. So like mm -hmm. in place of school, you have to raise your siblings in place a of school, system. you have to circle the eye traps, right? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the Duggars um, really were a giant advertisement for IBLP mm -hmm. and they were totally. intentionally used to draw people to IBLP. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it was just the Duggars. It was that the Duggars were very um well orchestrated in terms of how they could attract more people to this particular stream of christianity yeah. i don't even want to call it christianity because it really doesn't feel i know like they're holding any but principles that normal 
religious groups have. <laughs> well, okay, and I'm an only child, so I can't pretend to understand this, but and I know, you know, even you can't with, pretend to understand like what it's what it's like siblings? to have to <laughs> like the literal like polar opposite to my existence. Yeah. Um, but you know, even with one kid, our job as a family is that everyone pitches in and helps. And you know, if yeah. you have 16 younger siblings, you know, you're sure. all part of the same family. But like listening to how much, you know, these women talking about how much their needs were totally ignored, dismissed, that they were gaslit, oh, yeah. basically, that they had oh, needs. Yeah. Like, maybe that 11-year-old shouldn't have the baby in the bed with her. Maybe she has needs beyond raising her siblings. Like, yeah, no. Just doesn't exist, right? No. No. And that's when we get into a lot of the really gross, like, physical punishment. I mean, mm -hmm. phrases like, quotes like, and I would spank that child all day long. Like, you just spank them until they stop crying, and you call it encouragement. Like, what the fuck? Um, I'm sure you have it in your notes, but the spanking demo oh my from, gosh. they have this part where, is yeah, it, please walk, walk Bill, us through it. It's dark. Bill, is it, it's Bill Gothard himself who's doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm not sure. I think it's him. Um, <laughs> no. So Bill or some other senior leader within this group de demonstrates how, to spank your child so that it is it is encouragement and somebody brings their how old was that boy like he was like probably four like four little. i wanted to say yeah he looked like my kids age four someone volunteers their four-year-old to go on stage and sit on this strange man's lap and the guy like he doesn't like phys like hard like it's not like he's i don't want to say it's not that he's abusing him because he is literally touching the kid without the kid's consent on the kid but he's not um with force abusing right. the child but he demonstrates spanking and then and gaslighting essentially at yes. the same time yeah totally basically tells the kid that he's a bad kid because of what he's he's doing and that the spanking is to you know make him not behave like that anymore as and if then forces him to give him a hug after, a hug like, after gross. yeah just gross and i i hate to segue into it but like dude should we talk about blanket training Ugh. oh my god i had never heard of this before like had no idea like i'd heard of i had never been spanked but i heard about i knew what spanking was right. i had never heard of blanket training it's horrifying it's so it's so dark and it kind of piggybacks onto this like you just keep spanking your kid until they stop crying which like mm -hmm. is just like even babies like i can't yeah. i had a baby with colic i cannot oh, yeah, tell yeah. you how much she cried the idea is you get you collect your kid and you put them on a blanket your infant you some, your infant infant to, like like yeah baby like, in, like baby on a blanket you put something they want like a toy just outside of the reach of the blanket um and then every time they go for it you hit them until they stop going yeah. for it so you take a baby that is probably not quite old enough to crawl even or crawl walk. proper. Yeah, definitely but old not old enough walk. to like reach. Yeah. So it's like instead of tummy time, you put them on a blanket and you hit them whenever they try to do a a natural milestone within child development, which is reaching for an object. You hit them. And that's supposed to teach them obedience. Which, like, I don't know how honestly fucked you have to be to think that that teaches obedience. 
Like, I mean, I the just... problem is it does teach obedience. It's just at what cost? It's obedience over all else, right? Yeah, over because... developmental milestones. Yeah. Like yeah. babies and over any sort of a relationship. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is, you know, one of the former IBLP really spoke kind of truth to this. This is literally setting kids up to be victims, right? Oh, yeah. It's setting this dynamic up. Your body isn't your own. Um, And I think that's one of the things actually that bothers me most about this, just to tangent for a second. But like, I kept thinking about it as I was watching this. I see this parallel. And this is what bothers me about the kind of anti-LGBTQ movement we've seen, especially here in Canada and BC around SOGI as a part of the curriculum. So for those of you not from here, SOGI stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, and it's a guiding principle of our anti-bullying and inclusion policies in a lot of school districts in Canada. We've seen this like very small vocal minority protesting it. We're seeing it catch on as talking points for the major conservative party, just like in the U.S. right now. And I think what bothers me is at its core, it believes that your children are your property. Mm-hmm. And this is the same messaging we see within this community. You treat your children in whatever way you deem necessary as a parent because they belong to you. You take mm-hmm. away their agency. You take away any ability for them to become who they want to be because you own them. And it's up to, to you to make them grow up to be who you want them to be, not you know who they could be. And like so many of these things, it starts with something that's true. Like, yes, you yeah. are responsible for your kids. And of course, there's times where you have to take charge and your kid, like you're, you're going to have rules in your house. Your kids can't hit each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can't run across we, the street without holding somebody's hand. Yes. You, so it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, it all starts from, it's like the, this is the wellness industry parallel. It starts from something that's absolutely true mm-hmm. and it spins it into a very unhealthy form of control mm-hmm. that when, if you, you can argue it, you know, cause they, cause it's like, well, no, of course I'm in charge of my kid. And it's like, well, yeah, but you, you, but like hitting them all the time, right? Have them be submissive. And they're like, no, no, but it's like my house, my rules. And you're like, right. No, your yes. rules hitting them. I'm like, I get that because totally my house, my rules. We clean up after ourselves, blah, blah. But like it, it, and it makes this like weird parallel where they're like, no, no, your rules are that your kid has to clear their dishes from the table and our rules are that <laughs> if you're not following the family plan, we hit you. And it's like, right. Those aren't actually, it's not the same. (laughs) Right. Right. But it all starts from this sort of point Mm -hmm. that we do agree up, right. There is a starting point that we can agree on. And then the divergence from that Mm -hmm. just gets like, not even muddy because it just, it it's, uh, it's actually, I think by most States illegal and abusive. I don't know. The rules are very slushy around what is considered child abuse. Yeah. I was just going to say once it's your parents, it's like, if it was a stranger, right. it would be. But if it's a parent, right, right, make that make sense. Well, and you know, this is what breaks my heart because I've seen firsthand with people that I love what happens in this kind of very high control environment, and it's so tragic mm-hmm. because it doesn't have to be like that. You know, this no. is where we see these shockingly high suicide rates and self harm rates for for queer kids, for trans kids, mm-hmm. when you're constantly controlled to become who an authority figure thinks you're supposed to be you have Mm -hmm. no direction you have no life of your own and especially if there's any sort of messaging that there's something wrong with 
who you are at the core, who you are is not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is where we end up. Right. And then you normalize mm-hmm. abuse as quote unquote leadership. You're really setting yeah. your kid up to be the perfect victim. Right. And this is where we see the predators show up. And when it's the whole system has this group think, then mm-hmm. you really do teach kids to um, accept that that's the norm and the standard mm-hmm. because it's happening to everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. They can totally if they were to talk to their friends within the community, they would have mirrored stories from their friends. Yeah. Well, right? and they actually, have, yeah, totally. This is a really good point that they talk about um, that I actually, you know, saw within my own Christian communities in the in the 90s. This idea, I think it's like the Matthew 18 principle, but this idea that if you have a problem with somebody, if you talk to somebody else about it, that's gossip. So you have mm-hmm. to go to the person you have a problem with, like that somebody's oh, abusing yeah, yeah. you is you having a problem with them, right? So you have to go talk to your abuser about it. I know. I, re- I remember you don't want to gossip. They're hearing that. Yeah, and I, I believe they brought that up in the documentary too, where you were supposed to, and then everything went through the the, the head of the family, right, or the head of the right. church, right. If you're lucky and it gets elevated, it if gets you're quote unquote lucky, bill. it's going to get elevated to a different abuser, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is the this is the painful part of this, right? Is when you just look at how damaging this is mm-hmm. for for the kids that don't have mm-hmm. a choice in this, that didn't choose to be a part of this, you know? Mhm. Mhm. And I think this is where it becomes um and I don't want to say I have like real true deep sympathy for Josh Duggar, but I do think it's important to acknowledge that he grew up in an environment Mm -hmm. that didn't allow him any form of um sexual questioning um Mm -hmm. information knowledge information and i'm Mm -hmm. not saying that if you have those things that like it's his parents fault that he's like a offender but maybe no but i don't think you can say that it's not they didn't contribute to it that there is some correlation with the environment. Yeah. Yes. And I think that if you like, like I said, I don't want to make it sound like uh, it's an excuse for how he behaved because I think it's, it's not. But I, I also think that if we don't look at the context involved, we, we just, there's no way to prevent these things from happening if we don't right. analyze the situation. And I think that you'd be hard pressed to talk to any psychologist who mm-hmm. would look at him and look at how he was raised and be like, well, I mean, yeah, you're, it's, it's a bit of a breeding ground for it. It's well, not to and say this is, that you yes, wouldn't, this is wouldn't be an offender if he wasn't there, but he no, was or that you probably more likely can... to offend growing up in that environment. Well, and you see it modeled. Like this is what yeah. it comes to, you know, we kind of dive into, gothered a little bit more at this point in the documentary and this is like so many of these mega church leaders he's incredibly wealthy there's no Mm -hmm. checks or balances from anyone who's even remotely willing to challenge him right Mm -hmm. and then they detail his abuse his covering up of his brother's abuse Mm -hmm. you know really predictable and painful but this is the leadership that fosters these kinds of predators underneath of it because you have a predator at the top of the food chain Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and you have underreporting then you have, if it does get reported, it's strategically it's reported, essentially. Totally. Yeah. Right? And so 
Uh, you have a group of victims who can't really say anything. And if they do say anything, it's not going anywhere meaningful. And who might so not even know, right? That who don't even the other know thing. that it's abuse, right? Because it sounds like um, with Josh Duggar, so, there were times where the sisters were asleep. Right. So they may not have even known. Or, you know, if you've seen this or it's been happening to you since you were little and you know, you know, you submit to your brother because your brother is next in line to be the patriarch after yeah. your dad and your dad is head of the household, whatever he's doing to me must be okay for him to be doing yeah. to me because Especially God if you're not put him about in charge your body. of me, right? Yes. Yeah. And you don't talk, they probably don't even know the names of their proper anatomical body parts. No. I mean, it's literally down to the level of, and I mean, this just kills me, but like, don't let a boy change a girl baby. I know. Cause he might see the anatomy and then he'll be a sex offender is literally what they're saying in the booklet. They're literally saying any chance a boy can get, he will be a sex offender, which is fucking dark, dude. That's bad. Yeah, I know. And yet they're Talk so afraid of telling on people. yourself. Come on now. <laughs> but drag queens wearing like 27 layers of clothing are the problem. Like, have you ever With seen zero... what you have to wear under a drag outfit? Like... Oh, I know. The, yeah, it's just, yeah, totally. Notoriously uh, dangerous. <laughs> get in and out of. Well, I'm looking at the time and I feel like we thought this might be two episodes and it's going to be two episodes. So maybe we put a bow on this for today and you can join us next week. Yeah, that's good. Thanks so much for listening to Meet Me in the Middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.